Um, welcome to episode, I think, 11 now of REI Closures. We got Nicolo Fazio with us, uh, otherwise known as Nico. Um, <laughs> you could probably describe it a little better. Hopefully the mic works too. I did so. maybe keep I it off the hold it. Yeah, keep it off the shirt. Yeah. Um we got bad mics until we get better uh better audio stuff going. Um we'll bring Alex in the mix too. So we got Ben Jensen here, Nico Fazio. Alex Jensen. Good. We got got everyone on here. But um Nico does pretty much all our disposition, which mm. just is finding our wholesale buyers this past year. Um, kind of going into his story, how he got into real estate from the beginning to where he is now. And then, you know, what he's trying to do, I guess, as far as scaling, but, um, really just wanted to hear, I'm pretty interested as to where you started, because I know Alex left what Fisher investments last year, we found out not that long ago at dinner with you that you used to work at Fisher investments. So i kind of want to hear from that and where you got started in real estate in the first space. And then I'll kind of pass it back and forth to Alex because he might have some other parts that he wants to touch on. But I'm, I'm just curious from that start though. So Nico's doing big deals. He had over six figure months in the past several months on oh, yeah. you know these wholesale deals that he's got a big buyer's list. He's finding these buyers for us. So we're kind of leveraging him for the time and um, you know that network. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm curious when you got started and how you started at Fisher Investments. Yeah. Well, shoot. If it even well, started there. No, I mean, so real estate started way back when I graduated from Penn State. I actually worked in hospitality for a little bit. Okay. So I did hotels. I did sales and marketing for a couple of hotels out of Chicago. And it wasn't until we moved down here to Texas that Fisher Investments was actually something I wanted to look into. I saw them at a, a convention once at Penn State for recruiting. And it was cool getting into it because they sell you, sold you on a big dream for like what the opportunity was. But when you got in there, it got rough. And COVID made it way rougher. So I was in there right at the end of 2019 and going through the motions. I should have been on the sales side. I didn't do sales. I that's did. the only gig you can have. The, yeah. That's, that, that makes it worth it. Yeah. That makes it yeah. worth it. Because I was on the CSA side, which is just like client representation, all, all the client service stuff with none of the reward. And so, dude, they worked you like a dog, especially during COVID, which was rough. And so when I was doing that, I was like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be something else I could do. I started studying for my real estate license, and it was with that kind of trickled into real estate. I thought I had to be an agent to get into real estate. So that's where it all began, realistically. And I think Alex, I mean, I was kind of handed it to him because he got started on the same spot where he wanted to be in sales. Yeah. But you were in, what was it, like analysis? I mean, you can go into what you're doing too. Yeah, I mean, I was on the portfolio management side. So we were looking okay. at prospective clients' portfolios and then trying to, you send it off to a salesperson to right. have them, you know, try to join the, the company or whatever, um, use our service. But I was moving to sales before I stopped working there. Yeah. Right. I can relate to the, you know, kind of selling you on a dream. It's it's an entry-level job out of college. So it's not right. it something to write home about. That's It's not bad. It's not good. It's kind of just, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, that's That is interesting though. So you... But you were doing hospitality originally, so you took the Fisher Investments job thinking, okay, this this might be better. Yeah. Or was it like you just were moving locations? Moving locations. It was a good opportunity here in Texas, mm-hmm. and I was of the mindset still that you know finance was the only way into like a richer future, right? right? Kind of that that American dream. Realized that there's a lot there's a lot more opportunities out there than just going the financial route, and yeah. that's when I started digging the real estate. Okay, so you take your license. That makes sense then. So you mm-hmm. start out because I forgot you are an agent or yep. were more actively, but 
um, you pass your test eventually. Did you kind of right. like get some listings and be like, okay, maybe this is more worth it than Fisher or how'd you get full time into real estate? Cause you said they all work in people like a dog. Yeah. Obviously you're doing a job that you maybe didn't expect to do. Yeah. Um, and then how'd you move full time into real estate? So got my license towards the end of like 2020. And at that point in time, Fisher actually was doing layoffs of the CSA roles. I got mixed up into one of the layoffs, which I think was God just pushing me out of my comfort zone and forced mm -hmm. me just to go full force in this real estate stuff. But I gave real estate on the agency side after getting licensed. I got my license the same. It was actually like two days before I got laid off. Mm -hmm. Gave that about two weeks with Keller Williams. Realized that I couldn't stand the idea of having people use all my time to look at a house and not buy it because the backsplash just wasn't the right shade of blue yeah. that they were looking for. And I always had an interest uh, in the investment side. I mean, that's kind of what also led me to Fisher Investments with investing. So they encouraged me to firstly do, I don't know if you ever did sale. Oh, you guys did solar and such. Yeah, we're but doing I door know. to door. Were they reach, they tell you like reach out to your yeah, network? Yeah, they reach out to your your first five, like 100 like friends and family and just start there. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. One, all That's my like families up north. Yeah, it's just <laughs> not happening. So I was like, I got to do this a different way. And they're like, well, go to some like meetups, go to some like RIAs, whatever. Like, go find a way to meet with other agents or whoever. I was like, fine, I'll give that a shot. Went to one in Dallas. It was a big investor meetup. I forget who was hosting it, but the premise was learning about wholesaling. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what it really was. I saw wholesaling before on TikTok and other things. So I was like hearing about it, but I had no idea what wholesaling was sounded kind of scammy keller williams was super against it when i oh, brought yeah. it up to them so yeah it was just rabbit hole after rabbit hole but i was hearing all the wrong things but i met with all these investors and they're like yeah you just do all this stuff you you know it's it's all numbers based it doesn't matter what the house looks like actually the worse the house looks the better off you are <laughs> and so i was like this makes total sense it's all the same work that i'm going to put into trying to cultivate a real estate agent business why not do this it's less paperwork and the payout's typically better yeah so Brought that up to Keller Williams. They weren't too happy about it. You came back. They're like, hey, guys. <laughs> hey. Yeah. What about this? You ever heard of this? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then there, it was it was talks about how it was illegal, how it goes against their insurance. Nothing like it's not covered. The broker's against it. And I was like, well, sounds like I got to leave Keller Williams. And so no I did. Way. That's what led me to EXP, which they're a lot more investor friendly, um, at least the group that I'm with. And I think they all trickled down from like Grant Cardone's side of it because he owns a piece really? of that piece too. Is that what the X comes from? Probably. <laughs> I, that's crazy. I like to learn. This is a completely off topic, but that 10X Health guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's all. Part of I'm that like, too. he completely got bought out, which makes sense because it's called 10X Health. But yeah. Um, anyways, Grant Cardone's got a piece and everything. Yes, he does. But long story short, I got into the wholesaling side because of that, and it just became growing my network from there. Okay. And it's that network that's built into my huge dispo win that i have now and that's why we have buyers from the entire gulf coast of texas all the way to florida mm. and we're doing such volume now too yeah that's crazy so you go in you switch over to exp you yeah. realize wholesaling's not necessarily <laughs> a scam or illegal yeah. or any of this um when you went to exp were you still trying to be an agent or did you kind of just like oh, i'm gonna jump into wholesaling no i mean i told them i would yeah give it a shot right but so far i've only used my license twice and it was to find my cousin in an apartment and then another time I helped a seller actually sell to Open Door, you can kind of wholesale a deal to those big box companies through an agency referral option. Mm. Really not worth the work because you get a small referral fee and it's a lot of extra paperwork. Those are the only two deals you've done? 
on my license. Yeah. With an apartment and yeah. a fake other deal. Wow. Yeah. I've Not made even... it probably almost $3,000 with my license. That's about wow. it. <laughs> that's crazy. I've made zero considering I don't have a license. Yeah. So. Um, but that's crazy. So then you get over there. How did you get full time into like, did you just start cold calling? What did you do? Cause you have this network now. Of, okay. I'm in, you know, I went to these meetups. I learned a little bit about wholesaling. Now I have this, you know, people that are kind of backing it. Like yeah. AXP is probably not completely against it, but they're not actively wholesaling. So like right. what brought you, how'd you get all into the off market stuff? So it was a lot of trial and error trying to figure out which method works. I mean, after that, it was YouTube University, TikTok, and whatever else right. you could find to learn how to do this stuff. Um, you never knew what the hell was right and what was wrong. And then obviously the brokerages had their own versions of it. Because I mean, EXP wasn't against it. They weren't like totally for it, but they're like, as mm -hmm. long as you disclose, you're ethical and you don't lump us into something bad you're doing, like you're, right. you're good as we see it. And so it came to me just meeting and networking with more investors, more wholesalers who were getting started, already kind of having their reps about themselves too, and just asking the right questions. It was just, you know, what are you doing to generate leads? And then I'd hear like somebody was doing door knocking, somebody was doing cold calling, someone was doing SMS. I'm like, okay, so there's a million systems out there to do all those things. Mm -hmm. What's going to work for me? And it was just trial and error. I started doing some cold calling. I got Mojo for a bit. That sucked. Um, eventually transitioned to SMS, which was pretty good as well. I found my sweet spot in kind of doing like a daisy chain astro model, which was I found a wholesaler who was trying to move a deal, was struggling to move that deal. I knew of a guy who could sell the deal. And so I just became the broker in between the two, made mm -hmm. the connection. That was actually how I did my first wholesale deal. So you basically were kind of just helping with Dispo before you even knew it was Dispo. Because a lot of people yeah. probably don't know whatever you just said, right? Daisy chain, astro flipping, whatever yeah. it is. So like some people will call that daisy chaining where you get the deal under contract. A wholesaler has right. it. Someone acts as the buyer or says they'll help you and then they assign it again. And then maybe that person finds another person that finds it for more. And then oh, now yeah. you're just like down this whole daisy chain of like wholesale fees when. Yeah. And that's reason. exactly what Huge I was reason. saying is like, that's why wholesaling gets a bad rap is like everyone acts like they're the end buyer. It's like if you have a good system in place, you get it under contract and you actually assign it to the end buyer. Boom. No time wasted. Like right. it's done. But some people get this under contract. Maybe they're new. Right. And you help them get in touch with someone that bought it. So you got paid some sort of fee, right? Yeah, you get something in the middle for brokering that relationship. Right. And yeah, Daisy Chain definitely is, I think, one of the largest reasons wholesaling gets a bad name. The other reason is you get just so many people who watch YouTube or something, go out and try to do wholesaling really quick, make some ridiculous promises and then don't perform. Um, or they just stiff somebody on the back end. Right. And that just ends up being a huge backfire. Get a house under I was just going to say, get a house under contract for like 90% of what it's worth and then oh, yeah. sell it. That's got to be number one, which I would agree. I mean, I think that gives it a bad light, but that happens a lot because it's just people that don't know what they're doing. Right. But, Especially in a state like Texas. Right. And right. I, like that's why I saw it through. I mean, I was already into like the 180 hours that you need for like real estate agent license, which is nuts. But the benefit of having your license too is you have MLS access, which is huge in a state like Texas where it's non-disclosure. Because then you're not reliant on potentially wrong third-party data. You can be much more accurate, which is why we're able to sell our deals so effectively because we're using genuine market data, which a lot of these big buyers, if they know what they're doing, they have an agent or somebody running MLS data, and then they can verify if our comps are legitimate. So when you did that first 
dispo deal, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, like we're going out, kind of knocking doors, cold calling. People are bringing us leads. Right. Is that when you decided like, hey, I'm going to go more into the dispo route rather than being the one like, because I know you still find deals. Yeah. But a lot of it is now dispo, obviously. So huge percent. Is that basically how you got into doing that rather than going out and finding it yourself? Yeah. I would say that led to me kind of flipping the switch and realizing that I could bring a lot of value to people by just helping wholesalers move deals that they otherwise couldn't or couldn't for the top value. I saw a lot of guys, and this guy was kind of part of it too, where they were going to undersell their deal just to get it gone because they couldn't find a better buyer. Whereas if they just had the proper marketing in place, they're able to 10x sometimes their offers. So it was with that and then creating that network again, I started meeting just more and more investors who had other buyers. So I knew that I could shop deals around to these other bigger investors who were doing dispo at the time and leverage that network with a ton of deal volume. And then I wasn't having to put a lot of money into my marketing channels. So instead of, or money or time. So instead of paying a lot of money for calling, like call tools or SMS systems, I could work with other individuals, make it all networking based. And then that way, just like you guys have deals coming into you, I get deals, I do the proper underwriting, and then I'm able to sell it off for percentages. So you do that first deal. Um, from there, did you have like a mentor or someone help you, you know, how to market it? Like, mm -hmm. or was this just trial and error? I guess kind of go through that process. Well, it was trial and error, but I had people in my circle that were like mentors to me, um, teaching me the, the rights and wrongs of Dispo, helping me on the acquisition side, because I was still doing a lot of acquisition myself still too. I got a good amount of deals from just doing SMS campaigns during that same time. So I was like, 50-50, making my own deals and finding other deals to move. Um, but yeah, the mentorship was huge too because one big flip for me too, I really didn't start doing deals until, actually it was May of 2021. So I got into wholesaling right at the end of 2020 and it was those first five months, well, technically first four months, I thought I had to do this all by myself. And it wasn't until I got out of that mindset, flipped my mindset into this is a community business, not a lone wolf business that I expanded on that. And it was by utilizing that community, I started getting deals done, which is why I did a podcast actually with Brent Daniels right after that was because he was like, oh, my student just went from zero deals to three deals all at once. That's so, what I was going to say. I saw you had that on there. So was that yeah. the first mentorship that you joined? Was That his? was the first one. That's funny. So he was in, so like he's talking about community. There's different like networks, mentorships, masterminds, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. a lot of us have like kind of fast tracked to pay something to be a part of like, you know, people that That's are it doing is. it right. So Brent Daniels is like one of the biggest wholesalers. He's huge on YouTube. If you go watch him, like you could literally go through YouTube University on it. Easy. But Easy. so you joined that one, which is like what, TTP? What did he call that it? That was TTP. So now it's it's Rhino something now. Rhino Tribe. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. definitely rebranded it. We had a friend that just joined that, but basically he, he always says TTP, talk to people. Like yeah. if you're talking to people, you're going to get deals. So you were in there, you went from zero to three deals. Right. He caught wind of it and he put yep. you on the podcast? Yeah. Well, because I got really close to one of his like second in command, Alejandro, who was pretty much tasked with mentoring the newer students because mm -hmm. at that time it was still a smaller community yeah how many people were in so, that whenever you joined dude it one i fortunately was still cheaper too which is why and his program and i'm so happy they changed this it used to be you only bought in for a year and then they would banish you really you, yeah like you were like you got work for a year yeah did you have access to community after that no really which is also what actually sparked the growth of my community so i realized 
that piece of the, the business was missing, he wasn't retaining his people like Sub2 is mm-hmm. or Astro because I joined those two afterwards later on. But I found a niche in creating a DFW community of pretty much like long lost TTPers. And yeah. I just made a group chat on Facebook and I was like inviting everybody in TTP who are current and former in the DFW area. I'm like, hey, I know like you're getting kicked out for a bit, but like <laughs> let's have a community here because obviously everyone saw his value. I yeah. mean, after a year of TTP, you should be a rock star. Yeah. So, so you were, when you joined it, how many, I'm just curious, how many people were in there? It was definitely low. Um, maybe 2000 at most, yeah. but it was on the lower side, especially Which is like compared, nationwide though, right? Yeah. Especially compared to like yeah. the other groups. Cause like sub two has like over 8,000, maybe. Or no, more it's got or like something. 14 now. Is it? Jesus. Yeah. So sub, sub two <laughs> yeah. is pace more pace Morby's mentorship. I joined it last year I did too. in December and there was like 6,000 people and now there's freaking yeah. 14,000 people. So he's kind of blown up, but, um, yeah, basically Nico joined one of the other guys big time with pace up there. They do the wholesale hotline podcast, but, um, joined that before a lot of people were in it. That's interesting. Yeah. So you connected with a lot of those people you got on his podcast. Got on curious, his podcast. Once you got on there, did it kind of like, did you have a lot of people reaching out or no? Oh, tons. I yeah. mean, I did my, I mean, those, so I had my three contracts I did for that podcast. Yeah. And then I literally got my fourth one, which was, I think one of my biggest wholesales during that season because a girl reached out to me from that podcast. and was yeah. like, Hey, I just saw you do an interview with Brent Daniels. Can you help me out? I'm here in Belt Springs. I was yeah. like, I absolutely let's, let's keep yeah. this rolling. And then that, again, it just kept building on the idea like, okay, wholesalers can bring me opportunities that I can help maximize. Right. And that's, it just was off the races from there. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. So those were pretty much a lot of them. Some of them you were locking for yourselves, but a lot of them people were bringing and you're finding the buyers. Yeah. Um, all that means is disposition. So uh, a lot of people that are new, they might not know how to close it. Like me and Alex are doing a lot of that right now. It's like people yeah. should bring us leads where we don't really have to go knock or cold call a ton. Right. What we are on the phone closing the deal because we know how to talk to sellers or do the sales process or negotiate the price. Um, but as we're doing a lot of these, like I can't take a phone call every, you know, all day. And then also, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things you got to delegate. So then we would use Nico to kind of sell the deal. Um, you know, we also have some network. It's like, if it's really quick, sometimes I do just send it to someone else, but it's like, yeah. if we can maximize the price and market it, then we'll do that. But, um, yeah, that is crazy because I remember you saw that. I never got to ask you that on how you got into that <laughs> podcast. So that's kind of cool. But I guess now looking at it because you're in all three of these mentorships. Right? Yeah, I'm all, a lot of people. All the big dogs now. Yeah. And then now we're in another one that you're not even in that community, but you've got into it through us. Yeah. Kind of. like More or less. Yeah. I had someone reach out. So I don't know if somebody like spilled the world word to big dogs, but yeah. I had somebody from big dogs reaching out asking if I wanted to be recruited into it. That's so funny. They, <laughs> they asked if you want to be a part of it. Yeah. They're yeah. They're just their, like, they're hey. trying to get their thousand dollar for a referral fee. Yeah, they are. Somebody's trying to get yeah. it. Well, we'll, we'll take that. Um, but I guess now with, cause you are having a lot of people that, you know, that bring you deals. What does it look like? Cause I think we were just talking about this, trying to figure out how to delegate. I was like, I have so many leads brought, mm. which is a great problem. Never thought I had that problem. Nope. But it's either. like now it's like filtering out where do we spend our time? Like I just got a transaction coordinator because mm. I don't want to deal. And she just saved like one of the deals that just closed. I'm like, it wouldn't have closed if I didn't have her. Oh, which yeah. is nice. It was like child support lien for 32 grand. We had to negotiate down to three. She Damn. teed that one up so I can negotiate it. It Damn. works too. It was crazy. That's sweet. Um, I realized if you have a lien on a property that's really big, that's not like a HUD lien. So yeah, not a there's different, all one. these things that yeah. could basically have to get paid off when the house is sold, right? So it could be like 
solar that could be taken over or paid off. It could be a child support lien. It could be yeah. a judgment tax lien. But this one was 32,000 in child support and he was paying on it. He was obviously behind at some point or whatever yeah, case. Right. Yeah. But I called up someone in our mentorship. This is where the network, like people say, you're whatever. Your uh, network is your network. Yeah, your network is your network. Yeah. Like I just reached out and said, Hey, one of our coaches that we were on a phone call with, I was like, have you ever had that child support lien? He's like, yeah, it was like 40 grand one time. And we, we got it released for 1000. I like got Damn. hope. Cause I thought this deal was done. Yeah. I just got hope. I'm like a thousand dollars. Like, why would they do that? And he's like, well, it was going to foreclosure. They weren't, there was not enough, like it wasn't going to work if it went to foreclosure yeah. Yeah, they were um, anyway. Yeah. And they just want to collect. Yeah. So if they can show with the government or whoever it is, the DA, I forgot who it is. Like yeah. District attorney can collect on it. Yeah. And they just take it. And so, we negotiated. The first lady was like, "Yeah, we'll take fifteen thousand for it, like half." And I'm like, yeah. "I just like blew it off. I was like, it's gonna go to foreclosure. Like, we yeah. have no deal. If that's the case, we're already yeah. catching up yeah. fifty thousand. And uh, she's like, "Oh, well, let me get someone else on the phone. Puts on the next guy. Yep. And he's like, "Well, what can you guys pay? I should have said like a grand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. He literally said, "What can you guys pay? And I was like, "Dude, we couldn't pay more than three thousand. And he freaking lowered it to three thousand. I'm like, "Damn, I should have just said a thousand. <laughs> I sold. I had the buyer pay for it. Yeah. So I was like, "Hey, man, there's thirty thousand dollar lien. It's gonna break up the deal." Yeah. And then I brought it to him. Like, we got it released for three, but you're gonna have to pay it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, for them, it was like a wink because it's yeah. like no deal or uh, an extra three thousand. But that's um, anyways, we got that down. She negotiated. So I have this transaction coordinator now. That's super helpful. Yeah. Obviously, you gotta pay them. Once it closes, though, the buyer pays it. So yeah, like, it gets wrapped into the fees. Trying to get delegate like a lead manager, like okay, yeah. have someone follow up with a lot of these leads, and maybe like, and this I'm just saying this, putting this out in the world because maybe someone will reach out. Yeah, but like underwriting a lot of these deals that are brought to us, like we have so right. many texted to us, um, whether it's through the CRM, following mm -hmm. up with it. And it's like okay, here's the ARV, here's what they're asking, here's their motivation. Like, right, is there any deal here? Is this even worth calling? Yeah, like, it's worth your time. Yeah, so many of those that are. Yeah, we have a lot of. The, oh, it's it is. It's fine. It's you never great. know. Like sometimes people do want too much, and you there's a lot of creative ways to make a deal out of something. You like, can. We turn. Yeah. Yeah, we turn something into an innovation. You turn subject to a creative offer, but yep. then it's like sometimes I realize I'm like trying so hard to make a deal out of something that's just like wasting two hours of my life. Yeah. Where if I just focus, I'm like, okay, this probably not works. Move on to the next one. Yeah, it's just not worth um, the energy. But I guess where are you at now with all that? Like looking at how you spend your time like you have a lot of people bringing deals it's a good problem but like Great problem what are you trying to do moving forward definitely delegate because mm -hmm. right now my biggest thing is that my crm will get inundated with a lot of deals that i have to sit there underwrite evaluate and also see what type of marketing is going to be necessary to get that deal done so it's a it's a measuring of time input you know looking at a deal how much time is it going to take for me to actually sell this thing and then is it at a place in its deal life that is movable like is the price going to work and i've been surprised sometimes because there's some, some deals that i'll pull out and i'm like eh, it's going to be a gamble but there's not much on the plate right now so let's just take a gamble and shot at it and then you get some crazy offer on it and you're like well shit, it worked yeah um but yeah right now being able to have similarly a lead manager who can go through that stuff and be like, look at Nico, I know you got 20 deals that just came in yesterday. Of the 20, probably only two of them are worth looking at. Right. That would save me so much time. Right. To just not have to underwrite the other 18 deals. Because every deal is like 15, 15, 30 minutes of quick underwriting. And that's yeah. quick underwriting. Quick, yeah. yeah. 15, 30 minutes ain't that quick yeah. either. No, not if you want to like really dig into it to make sure like it's not a deal. Like, it's usually I could tell pretty fast if it's a really bad deal. Mm -hmm. 
But if I think there's some variance there, then I got to check my market data, check what buyers were buying in that area recently. What were they paying? Could I make them boost if it's if there's reason there? You know, mm. do the pictures help justify it? What's our show time look like? Do we have enough time to show this thing? Do we have an option period long enough to show this thing? There's so many contingencies. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I'm going to try and slow it down a little bit because some newer people might be confused a little bit. So part of that's also a wholesaler, just again, like what Alex said, getting under contract at a good price. Right. There's some I shoot in the dark where I'm like, okay, we have a little, let's figure this out quickly. Yeah. And then figure it out. But like, generally I know like this is going to sell. Like yeah. at least over oh, yeah. what I have it at, right? Right. But yeah. Oh yeah. You guys but, are always golden. Yeah. So it's more just figuring out, okay, what are we going to market it at to sell? Like what right. price can we get? Cause you don't um, want to undershoot it either. Like I don't, I could yeah. sell a deal cheap, but yeah. like I want to maximize the value as much as we can. Right. So what he's saying is like, okay, you get 20 deals coming in here. People might say they have these under contract, various right. foreclosures. There's all these different things that can right. blow up a deal, but it's like, he's looking at what is the ARV? So what's the after repair value? Yep. And again, you said Texas is a non-disclosure state. Not everyone knows what that means, but like wholesaling in Texas is kind of harder oh, yeah. for newer people because- rougher. When you hop on Zillow, you can't, it says a Zillow number. That's an estimate. That's probably off. Zillow's almost it always doesn't, off. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, they busted themselves yeah. on that. They have started to buy properties based on their estimate and they're like, oh shit, we're underwater. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you can't see, the problem is if you're in Texas and you don't have access to the MLS, right. you can't see what recent properties have actually sold for. Right. So when we're figuring out what a property we need to get under contract at, we need to see what air, houses in that area actually sold for, like fixed up. Right. Exactly. So- if you have the MLS, which we have access to, yeah, or other it's not too bad. Other it's tools like bad. Privy or whatever deal machine you could. Yeah, I mean, train. there's a million of them. You can get a decent idea though on Zillow. Okay, here's a rough estimate. You can't really see the recent comp, so you're looking at MLS access. Yeah, who's what houses have sold in the last four, three, four months? Yeah, within you know half a mile away. Um, how much is the condition? Like, how much work does it need? Right. How much time do we have to market it? You're going through all this because yep. once he shoots it out to his buyers. We need to make sure we can see it. Yeah, you know, perform on it. Right, actually yeah. get it sold. Um, so basically you're saying if you had someone doing all that, you could save a ton of time. Easy. But and then they're not thinking like you're yeah. thinking. <laughs> no, they're not thinking like I'm thinking, which I know we just talked about too. You know, you got to train those folks to look at a deal the way I would because I know there's areas that I can push it. Like maybe ARV is saying it's 280, which where they're priced at right now under contract is like a little too close. But if you know the market in a certain area or you just had a buyer there that you just spoke with that like bought maybe a month or two ago who you know is going to be ready to buy again, you could definitely just like spruce it up and send it to him and maybe he'll just take a crack at it. There's just like little like nuances to it that it's, I think it's harder to train with somebody. Because something I learned with wholesale and real estate, you might you guys see, you might see it on the acquisition side. It's definitely true on the dispo side is it's both an art and a science. Like there's the scientific mathematical numbers to dispo. Then there's the art of spinning the story. When you send the marketing out, you put the pictures together a certain way, you word it a certain way, and then you just have those conversations with the buyers and really sell them on what the future of this house is going to look like for them. There's a little bit of, of just like specialty to that. And that's a lot to train to somebody. Not impossible because I mean, people doing that all the time, but that's the thing I've been figuring out right now too, when it comes to the onboarding something like that. So going into the marketing, I've always kind of just wondered this as well. Like, let's say I send you something, Ben sends you something. What does the marketing look like? Like, take us through that process. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Well, it helps when you guys are very detailed because a big thing, like one other issue I get pipeline clogged up with is some people don't tell me what the condition of the majors are. And those are huge ticket items for any buyer. 
Um, maybe they don't submit po uh, pictures or enough pictures because without enough pictures, it's hard to sell anything because now we're all gambling. And majors, I'm just going to cut you off for one yeah. second. Majors, roof, HVAC, plumbing, yeah. electrical, foundation. Yeah, those are the big, big ones. And at least knowing the age of an HVAC system or a roof can tell you so much here in Texas. Because, I mean, a roof here in Texas is only going to last you 12 to 15 years if you're lucky. Usually it's about 10, and usually the weather kicks in somewhere, and you get an insurance claim. Um, HVAC, typically most buyers are looking at like seven to eight years on these things. And it depends, too, if you have a double unit because you're two stories. That can change a lot of things, too. But as far as the marketing goes, I mean, you want to know those majors. You want to be able to explain them in enough detail. And then you want to have your pictures showcasing, in my opinion, the projects that they're caring most about. So what I almost always try to include in my stuff is a picture of the kitchen and pictures of the bathrooms if there's more bathrooms than one because those are the places that they're going to spend the most money. The rest of it, living rooms and bedrooms, are just going to be paint and carpet or paint and flooring, whatever else they want to do to it. Those are pretty easy to estimate on a rehab. But if you go and you look at a kitchen, some folks want to just see what the, ca the cabinets look like because they want to know, all right, am I replacing the cabinets or am I just painting these cabinets? Because that'll change your buyer's mind real quick. And that's why we've gotten so good at selling things off of uh, sight unseen offers. Because if you have the picture, the whole story right there in front of them, they can make a quick assumption on, on what their workload's going to be. And if they have a good realtor maybe that they're working with, they can do the comps, then they don't even see the house. Yeah, always take pictures, 0.5 on an iPhone. 100%. Shades open, lights on. Yeah. Like when I send you pictures, I swear I take like 100 pictures, video yeah. walkthrough. Video walkthrough is huge. That could yeah. be a game changer in itself. I, this is all it's all funny seeing all this because yeah there's definitely sometimes i'm like dude it's dark i'm like i don't even want to walk through this house yeah i got fleas biting dog my ankles yeah i was gonna say on you, the floor. you walk through some nasty oh, looking houses we gotta go because i don't want to take this last forever but we gotta talk about yeah. some of the craziest things we've seen because dude there's a reason these houses are yeah. are run down i mean all of these stories this is like laughing because when i did door to door for two years i'm like dude the things i run into and now i do this i'm like it's it's almost worse like yeah. you less you knock on less doors in a sense but it's like you're dealing with situations that like this why that's these oh, have yeah. to be sold off market this way so 100%. dude i could smell some of the photos yeah <laughs> like, i'm gonna go it's the same smell on some of them oh, all man. of them the wet dog oh, old always. cigarettes yeah like just the stale 30 years of yeah. just shit laying around the house but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the what is the one i stayed at one the econo lodge for any of the people that sold vivant with me that first summer there you go this oh this place like only probably eight rooms were actually available and Ooh. like you know stained towels yeah oh it was terrible terrible like cigarette smell everywhere yeah. but yeah, yeah in Sulphur Springs Texas that's what you get when there's a, a big bass fishing tournament and the, <laughs> and the only hotel that's open is the Econo Lodge with eight rooms and you gotta there. make it work yeah um, but anyways story craziest story a quick rundown of what just happened with ours because okay. I've never that that was one of the more wild experiences. Basically had it under contract, realized someone already signed before us. Oh right? yeah, that one. So they had a memorandum on it. I showed up to walk your buyers through there. Yeah. And you were actually there, which is funny. It's yeah. rare that both it's, of us were there. Rare. Um so we're walked four people through this house. Mind you, they're in the back room, bad health. Yeah. You know, dog crap everywhere. There's three dogs. They usually put them in the backyard. They're scraping at the door. Tiny things. Yeah, tiny like yeah. little shih tzus. But yeah. I'd been in the house with a couple of them before and nothing happened. Yeah. But we go to walk this fifth buyer through. Me and Nico are at the front yard. Yeah. And I open the door 
And the moment I open, I hear the dogs start running to the door. And yeah. I wasn't like scared yeah, yeah. at first because like I think I've been in here with the dogs, but usually they're in the back. Yeah. They start jumping up my legs and biting me like Dude, crazy. Dude, they were hanging like, on like, like for their lives. Yeah, like hanging on to my like shins. Yeah, they yeah. were. And so I'm freaking out. I'm like, holy crap. So I start healing them. I know. And then the buyer's sitting right outside about to walk in. So I'm trying to shut the door <laughs> without the dogs coming out. And the buyer's freaking out. He's like, they just, I was like, they just bit me. I'm yeah, freaking out. I know. I'm wearing these pants, actually. I pull them up, and I'm just got torn up, like bruises. Dude, you're black scrapes. and blue. You're bleeding. Oh, I'm my like, goodness. I was so happen? mad. I was like, dude, I'm done. Nico, take this over. I'm like, I'm about to have to go. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm about to have to go to the freaking urgent care. Like, yep. I was on the phone. The funniest part, I was on the phone with my buddy from college. His name's Cobb. And he just FaceTimed me as I walked out. And yeah. I was like, I got to answer this just to show you what I'm going through right now. <laughs> I face. I answer the FaceTime call and I'm showing him my legs and he's like, "Dude, immediately go to urgent care. You're gonna have rabies." Yeah, that's what and I was I'm saying like, too. I got started getting scared. I put like hand sanitizer on my legs from my car, oh, and then yeah, yeah, and then and then I think you walked the buyer through, right? Yeah, I walked the so, buyer through. Well, kind of partially because the guy was like, "Well, hey, the like most of the dogs are in the room." He's like, "One of them is like still walking about. I couldn't lock him up." I was like, "Look," and I say this to the buyer. I'm like, "I think we're okay. Yeah, you can grab a stick." We oh could walk God. through it real quick. You could just peek in and look at the kitchen. Like that's about yeah. as far as I want to go because after what I just saw, we're not going back yeah. to the back of the house where the dogs are. Oh man! But we did. We we did like a half. This walk. gets worse though. It does. So get worse. I'm sitting in my car with my legs, my pants pulled up. Yeah. And then I'm like trying to figure out where the nearest urgent care is or whatever. <laughs> and then um, the so these guys, I had to get them a, a time to go to the DMV yes. because their IDs are expired. They're old and they need new ID so they can sign at closing. Right. And I schedule a time. His wife's in, you know, out of shape in, yeah. in this wheelchair. Could have been she can't walk. Yeah. So she, he pulls her out. I'm in sitting in my car with the door open and I see her pushing her out with the wheelchair. Yeah. And he just takes a turn, top heavy falls over and she goes, ah, oh! and there's like a tree here. So I didn't see her fall. I'm yeah. like, and Nico, you're right in front of her. I remember she fell. We both looked at each other. <laughs> Dude. Oh my god! I thought oh. she. The foundation was shot. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, I thought I thought she I thought we were about to have a, a dead person. Oh, dude, yard. it was. Intense. I was so I sat there just like praying, like please be alive, please be alive. Yeah. And then I heard her saying like I'm not gonna be able to get back. Yeah. Do it. So she's like, I think you're just gonna have to call the paramedics. Yeah. She's like, help! You, I'm like, oh, I don't, you, I don't want that responsibility. Yeah. You were trying to lift her up. We yeah. had to call the paramedics. At this point, I'm like, oh my goodness. So Nico calls the paramedics. I go yep. to the freaking Walgreens to get my cuts cleaned up. And, dude, I don't even – you sent me a video after that. I don't know what happened. Dude, so but, after that, we actually had one more buyer show up while oh this – now the ambulance is in front of the house. And he's just sitting there in his truck. He's like, is this the right house? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the right house. Yep. You're just have to wait a minute because we need to take care of this first. And so, like, I mean, like the four guys came to lift her up put her in the thing. They had to go through all the question and answers. I had to get him to start answering questions. So they're like, well, we need to talk to like the husband, make sure she's like, doesn't need like urgent care or some kind of yeah. immediate care. And she's like swearing she's good. And so they got her back on the scooter. They were ready actually to put her on a, a stretcher and take her off. Like that's mm. what, that was the whole plan. But the husband was like, no, we got to get to this appointment. Which and he's like, no, she's fine. To... And she's like, no, yeah, I'm fine. And just like, I can't walk and I hit the curb and, he told me that it wasn't the first time, so I guess this is yeah. a recurrent thing. The worst part but, is they get to the DMV, and the DMV had them come back the next day because they're oh, there. Oh, damn. 
Yeah. They got it back and they got their ID somehow. So, um, but yeah, that's wild. That's just one of a lot of yeah. different things that we see, but that was definitely one of the more wild experiences I've had. I'd uh, say so. Between that, there was that like one crazy Arlington house that I did with Grant. I don't know if you guys were involved with that one. That lady was I don't nuts. remember. But, but there's always someone. Dude, yeah. Coffin, I don't even want to talk yeah. About oh, Coffin, too. Uh, I don't yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Alex, hope, I don't know if you can hear it, too. But, yeah, Alex is thinking of a few. But there's a, definitely a lot of experiences we run into. Oh, so, yeah. You see some um, crazy shit. Not just, not just uh, easy. Whole, everyone makes wholesaling seem simple. The concept's very simple. It is. It's just dealing with all the things you got to do to get to the end. If you're the one client facing, I guess you could call it, dealing yeah. with the acquisitions or oh, yeah. um, disposition. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't want to make this run forever, but I guess, you know, I, I, thanks for coming on this, by the way. It's yeah. fun. We're just sitting in like the Gabriella and, uh, <laughs> and a golf simulator to our left. So yeah. um, we kind of make shifted as we go, but we'll eventually have the podcast set up in the apartment I'm moving into with Jackson that we did last time. It's just, he has the flu, so I'm not trying to be around him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I guess moving forward, hopefully we got more deals going your way. Is there anything oh, right yeah. in front of you that you're, that's, that you're focused on right now? It's probably looking actually more towards the, a dispo manager mm. helping me sort through the marketing, get more marketing out and manage that influx of buyers calling on deals because okay. we are moving in volume that means that there's a lot of phone calls that need to be taken. Otherwise you're missing an opportunities for buyers to buy these right. things. So Very that's, cool. that's my big focus right now. All righty. Well, good luck. 2024 kind of got a lot ahead of it. So, Oh yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Episode 11, I guess we'll drop Nico's uh, social media as well. So Hell yeah. if you need help closing deals, finding buyers, whatever it is, reach out to him and we'll put this Instagram or Facebook, whatever yeah, else you got all. out there. Um, but appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, my man.